This podcast is powered by Your Call, Australia's leading external whistleblowing service, which is trusted by some of the sector's most progressive and largest providers. Your Call has helped employees and residents safely speak up against wrongdoing at their aged care provider for over 15 years. Visit whistleblowing.com.au to learn more. Your Call is proudly a certified B Corporation. According to positive ageing advocate, author and director of Global Ageing at Work, Marcus Riley, the emerging generation of older people are becoming increasingly engaged with technology. Um, Here with me to talk about the ways in which tech is improving their lives is Marcus Riley. Marcus, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Connor. So in, in the research and work with your new book, you've identified six ways that technology is improving the lives of those over 60. How have you come up with these observations, firstly? Uh, the, the observations are really based on a number of different aspects, uh, partly through my own reading and, and research, uh, certainly through engagement with uh, different organisations I'm involved with directly, as well as uh, other networks and um, uh, and feedback that you get through dialoguing with colleagues and others associated with the ageing industry, some from uh, a tech um, perspective, others from a service point of view, and, and obviously consumers themselves. Mm-hmm. So let's, I mean, one of the stats you've said is that uh, 85% of uh, over 65s are using the internet at least once a day. So let's go through the, you know, the six ways. So the first way you talk about is supporting preventature and restorative health. Explain a bit that to us. I think that's really to do with the increasing uh, willingness for people to engage with technology to support their their own health and well-being. So there's, on one aspect, it's because people are better embracing technology, and that's coupled with the other aspect, which is people's um, greater propensity to really understand their their health and well-being, looking at different ways in which they can support their their health and maintain it, as well as those who might be looking to um, restore or, or recover in terms of some of their physical capacity. So I think those those two aspects have come together and uh, seeing more and more people use technology to, to support their health and well-being. And I think another aspect to that is that the, the um, providers of technology have better engaged with an older cohort to provide options that people are looking for and more comfortable with. And uh, that's, again, seeing a greater take-up, I believe, of certain devices and, and certain um, resources that are now available. Mm-hmm. So are we talking practically, are we talking things like Fitbits or, you know, apps that track your food, those sort of things? Yeah, there's those which are related to exercise, be they wearable devices or um, other ways of recording uh, different activities and different uh, levels, uh, as well as devices that might help you uh, track certain conditions, whether it's heart rates or other things that people are plugging into. Um, and again, use that information to, to maintain whether it's a uh, focus on nutrition and diet, whether it's the exercise, the emphasis on exercise. Um, it's, it's certainly across those, those aspects of um, the technology devices themselves, plus the platforms to record and, and uh, utilise information. Mm-hmm. And another area you see has been important, increasingly important, are the, you know, using technology as a tool for social connectivity. I'm assuming that's a lot to do with the loneliness and isolation, you know, elder Australians can feel. That's right. It's certainly a way in which people can help alleviate the risk of isolation and, and loneliness. And what we've been seeing is, is um, 
varied use. Certainly, the, the connectivity is often with with family, and and particularly when family are living afar, but also within um, friendship groups and within other interest groups that people are plugging into to either access information about um, activities and what want to be involved with to gather more information about areas of interest for them. And again, from that, that social connection point of view, and there's, there's research which is showing that that older uh, cohort is uh, one of the, the fastest growing in terms of use of, of certain social media platforms. And mm -hmm. I think we're even um, getting to the stage now where some of the, the younger people are actually getting off some of these platforms <laughs> because mum and dad or, or the grandparents are actually on them on there themselves now. So some interesting dynamics emerging, I think, in, in some of that online space. Mm -hmm. Um, you also mentioned the e-economy. Um, how are the you know over 65s taking to internet banking, uh, buying online? How does that work with that cohort? Yeah, certainly the emerging generation of, of older people are more uh, open to, to utilising online platforms for banking as well as for purchasing. Um, so we're seeing that a particular increase in, in that area as opposed to um, probably those who have been less inclined in the past to go online for for those sort of transactions and think we've had that um, older generation who really uh, much preferred to be going into their bank to be having that interpersonal um, transaction um, versus as i said that emerging uh, generation which is um, more comfortable with with navigating those processes online and again i think too we're seeing um, with the the major financial institutions and certainly online retailers and making those transactions more and more simple in terms of how to process and uh, navigate your way through. So that's, I think, a very interesting one in the sense that it, it can support people's um, independence as far as whether it's um, getting groceries delivered or whether it's um, some of the, the, the banking transactions that people are able to do for themselves from the comfort of their own home rather than either asking or relying on someone else to be doing it for them or to be taking some appointments. Uh, I think it's an interesting one for us to be observing in terms of how older people are using that sort of service and the reasons why. Mm -hmm. Another thing you touch on, which I think maybe people in the 20s, 30s, 40s age groups are sort of maybe increasingly worried about their their use of technology, uh, you know, especially social media. But you point that the older cohort are finding it useful in, insofar as mental stimulation is concerned. Yeah, that's right. There's a number of, I guess, more traditional activities that people are now um, doing online and, and whether that's um, games or uh, activities that are stimulating for the brain and they might be doing that with other people or it might be um, just doing it themselves. Uh, but it's tapping into those interests of the past where card games or, or board games and the like. Um, but also in terms of learning new, new things and, and testing um, your brain and, and uh, again, really deriving that stimulation. So that's something which, again, people are getting more and more comfortable with um, and the different platforms that people can be um, engaging with those activities, whether it's on your, your desktop computer, whether it's um, an iPad or, or a phone device, uh, people are accessing those different options to, to play those games or to um, engage with those activities because they are finding them stimulating, they are finding them um, enjoyable to do. And again, part of that is um, uh, certainly from a, an engagement perspective and whether it's um, sharing uh, sharing scores and activities with other people or whether it's interacting with people online, um, it's another area of increased usage. Mm 
But uh, and probably a more, a more practical observation is concerning security for people. Um, these devices can give emergency alerts to caregivers and stuff like that. Exactly, particularly where someone is caring for a loved one, be it a spouse or another family member. Um, the, the different sorts of devices that are emerging now and the design of those devices are breaking down some of the barriers that people had about uh, wearable technology. So um, starting to overcome the stigma of having to wear a sort of safety device or security device and um, rather than sort of the old pendant style necklaces and things that whether it's a watch or even um, rings and, and things that are more um, palatable for people to be wearing. Uh, and again, the technology, the sophistication of the technology that helps um, monitor and, and record does provide that peace of mind for a caregiver that um, my loved one can do certain things. I've got some uh, good confidence and in, 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 um, knowledge in the technology that we're using. And it, again, supports people's independence um, with that underpinning peace of mind and, and security. So it's another example where technology companies are putting a lot more time and research into the design of both the devices and the applications that go along with them. And as a result, we're seeing people more engaged with those options, which, which is a great thing. Uh, of course, we don't want to see technology seen as the replacement of um, uh, interpersonal relationships and certainly the, um, the, the value of having um, people as part of the solution. But uh, there is more and more value in different technology and their platforms to, to support that um, personal support. Mm -hmm. So it seems, you know, from this that, you know, technology is as much as people sometimes decry it, it is helping people age kind of more successfully. But a few stats that I managed to rummage up show that for over 70s, 74% are digitally disengaged. So how do we get people more engaged with technology, you know, to feel the benefits? I think there's a couple of things. One is certainly uh, increased information and awareness about some of the simpler options in engaging with technology and that there are small steps people can take to start to uh, open their minds to, to the engagement with uh, different opportunities. And I think certainly there's some good free resources which are accessible to people. And often the good, great starting point is their, their local council or the local library where there are resources that people can, can play with, if you like, and, and start to develop a, a degree of comfort with and a degree of confidence with before um, going ahead with a big outlay themselves. Uh, and I think part of that increased awareness is um, hearing from older generations themselves as far as the way they're using technology and, and how they're using it. Um, so that's, I think, an important step. Uh, and certainly um, providers and others involved with delivering services to older people and, and um, uh, interacting with, with different communities, it's showcasing the opportunities and the value of uh, different technology and the way in which they can be used quite easily. So again, whether it's some of those um, devices and platforms that are around people's health and, and independence, whether it's around that um, opportunity to, to learn and be engaged through different platforms. Uh, as we've talked about, there's a number of different uh, areas that people can be benefiting from technology. The first step is really trying to knock down the barriers that some people have uh, in regards to, to engaging and, and utilising different forms of technology. 
And this work is part of uh, your new book, Booming, A Life-Changing Philosophy for Aging Well. You're concerned with how we are all aging. What are some other tenets of your new philosophy or what are some of the other ways that elder Australians should look to improve the way they live? Certainly planning is a, is a big one in terms of uh, looking to your future, both short and longer term, and identifying the things that are really important to you, be they uh, activities and um, interests, certainly relationships and prioritising those things that you're passionate about and that are important to you. And by planning, we can be maintaining greater control of our later life. So that's certainly a big one that um, I try and emphasise in, in the book. And, and that's also related to maintaining a sense of purpose. And that sense of purpose, being engaged with life, is a really great way of uh, avoiding the risk of isolation and, and loneliness that we touched on before. So those two things certainly go hand in hand as far as um, planning for our futures and thinking about where we want to be and what we want to be doing. Uh, and that enables us to better engage and, and keep that sense of purpose, which is so important for all of us as we proceed through different stages of life and the things that are going to motivate us, the things that are going to energise us um, and how we best can contribute to our families, to our communities, etc. Um, those things, I think, are, are really valuable to us as we progress through later life. Marcus Riley, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Connor.